Southern Skies. Online Media. Plane Crazy Down Under is proudly brought to you by Oz Runways, Australia's ultimate CASA-approved electronic flight bag for iPad. Try it free for the first 30 days, ozrunways.com. And by the Australian Aerobatic Academy, the leaders in primary and advanced flight training at Bankstown and Wollongong. See how they can take your proficiency to the next flight level at aeroacademy.com.au. Sierra Juliet Alpha is ready. Juliet Alpha Tower 17 line up. Runway 17 line up, Sierra Juliet Alpha. Okay, controls are full frame correct. Sierra Juliet Alpha Tower left heading 030 visual, runway 17 cleared for takeoff. Left heading 030 visual, 17 cleared for takeoff, Sierra Juliet Alpha. Okay, landing line, torpedo heat. Okay, clear, clear, and clear. Clear for takeoff, let's go. Contact approach 132 decimal zero, good day. 132 decimal zero, Sierra Juliet Alpha, good day. Approach good day, Sierra Juliet Alpha, passing 1500 on climb 3000, hitting 030. Sierra Juliet Alpha, approach good day identified, continue hitting 030, climb 5000. Continue hitting 030, climb 5000, Sierra Juliet Alpha. Sierra Juliet Alpha, direct to more is available advance. Sierra Juliet Alpha, appreciate direct to Docell if we could just. Potential with the ice, that's all. Sir Joy, no problems. Your position is 100 miles northeast of Essen. Resume your own navigation and track direct to Docile flight plane route. Direct to uh, Docile plane route, Sierra Joy, Alpha, thanks. Well, day, folks, and welcome to Plane Crazy Down Under, episode 118 of Australia's <laughs> Aviation Show. Coming to you today from the cockpit of uh, Sierra Juliet Alpha, a Cirrus SR20. And no, folks, I'm not flying and recording. I'm here with ATC Ben. How are you, mate? Good mate, good. It's a, uh, a beautiful day once we bust it out on top of the, uh, the overcast out of Essendon. It's a lovely day up here mate. Now uh, give us a, uh, a bit of uh, information on where we are as we're recording this. Uh, right at the moment uh, we are 124 miles to the uh, south-southwest uh, of Tamora. Yankee Tango Echo Flight for those playing at home. And uh, we've uh, been given a clearance direct there. We're at 9,000 feet in controlled airspace at the moment, uh, although that won't last for much longer. And uh, it's a beautiful day. We've got a you know, very odd couple of patches of cloud, uh, you know, in the sky. But other than that, it's uh, blue sky and a wonderful day to be flying. Absolutely. Now we're on our way up to uh, Natfly for uh, 2014. We're uh, going up and back in the day, going to grab a few interviews. And uh, this won't be a Grant McCarran free interview, uh, free episode rather, I should say. Uh, Grant's actually over at Leeton, which is really not all that far from tomorrow. And uh, he's doing some balloon flying, and uh, I've uh, sent him off on an assignment to grab a few interviews. He's got his recorder up there, so uh, we'll look forward to that. But uh, in the meantime, uh, Ben, I think I'll, uh, well, you know, we'll set the autopilot. We might have a bit of lunch, perhaps, and uh, we'll grab some interviews, some interviews at uh, tomorrow. Let's get into it.
We're here at the uh, Brumby Aircraft Stand and I'm here with uh, Paul Goward. Uh, Paul, it's been a few years since we caught up with you. How's uh, things going with the company? Yeah, the company's, uh, company's going well. We've uh, got the development down pat now on the high wing, so we're pushing the production on that. Um, we've got nine orders on the high wing at the moment uh, and one low wing. So we've got 10 orders underway in the factory, which is uh, difficult because we've got 10 orders in, in one go. So right. <laughs> all within sort of three or four weeks of each other. And your factory, just to remind our listeners, you're in uh, country New South Wales? Yeah, we're in Cowra, so Cowra. we've got, uh, got the factory there and we produce, we've produced most components on the aircraft other than the engine prop and the avionics. Uh, everything else is made in Cowra. So uh, 10 orders at once, I mean that's obviously you know, speaking volumes for the quality of the aircraft and uh, obviously the promotion and sales is doing well. Yeah, look, we've never really marketed the aeroplane other than coming to, to Natfly uh, and the occasional add in a magazine, but we're looking forward to the next 12 months being able to tour around Australia with the high wing uh, and demonstrate it and uh, we hope to pick up several more orders uh, and go into uh, into a larger production scenario. Yeah, I, um, I remember when we were here, I guess the last time we caught up with you would have been three years ago, I guess, and uh, I think at that time you just released the high wing, so I you know you were probably a little bit anxious at that time about how that might go, obviously, bringing a new plane to market. Yeah, a new plane, and of course we changed over uh, to the Rotax engines now, so we have the Rotax and the Lycoming engine. Uh, we mainly push the Rotax, it's very reliable. Um, so we've had to do all that certification process and get the aircraft flight tested and of course structurally tested with the engineers uh, to make sure the aircraft complies with the, with the ASTM standard, which it does. So we're very happy now and we're at a stage where we can now uh, stop working on the designs and, uh, and start manufacturing a bit more efficiently. Mm, start scaling up a bit. And you talk about the engine choices, what are, you mean you say you prefer the Rotex, is that the customer's pre preference as well have you found? Or? Yes it is, from a warranty point of view, uh, we don't have any problems with the Rotex, they go in the aircraft, they, they run and they, they don't stop. Uh, we did run another engine some years ago, uh, to which we don't run anymore, so we just have the Rotex and the Lycoming. Yep. Um, the Lycoming's a little heavy. Um, but it is there for those guys that are the, the die-hard GA guys that just yeah. can't quite get their head around the road tax at 5,000 RPM. Um, there is an option to have the Lycoming, but, but it does come at a cost. It's, it's more expensive and it's heavy. Well, I remember my first experience flying a Rotex aircraft was, in fact, the aircraft behind us, the low-wing that I yeah, let me fly in the last time. And uh, it, it does take some getting used to with those higher RPM. It's just not something as a GR. I mean, I'm a Cessna guy. I mean, you don't, you're not used to that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah well, I think you'd like the high-wing. It's got the yokes there, like the Cessna and trim wheel in the middle and... Uh, mm dual pedal so uh, and the Lycoming so it is very much like a Cessna we figured if they've got it right for many years so why uh, why change it yeah yeah well, interestingly about uh, 7322 this aircraft um, I believe it's on the market but it looks a little different if you fitted a uh, parachute to it which wasn't I'm sure that wasn't on there the last time I saw it yeah that the owner of this aeroplane built it got it built for himself to fly around Australia but uh, subsequent, subsequently he, he passed away unfortunately so uh, it was basically built as a really a single seater it's got everything in it that opens and shuts from the radar altimeters to the ballistic parachute um, basically everything um, so uh, another customer bought it that actually lived in Cowra so it's pretty handy for us we can oh, use nice. it for the demo plane yeah yeah it's a beautiful aircraft I remember trying to stall it and uh, not being very successful so no look uh, for a thin tapered wing they normally uh, normally would have reasonably uh, severe stall characteristics but uh, we don't seem to have that on our aeroplane uh, if you hold it in the stall the low wing it'll drop a wing eventually but it's a it's a it's a very nice wing drop it's not violent uh, the high wing on the other hand we have trouble dropping the wing it's uh, very difficult 
Right. Uh, in actual fact, it doesn't really stall. Uh, you can fly it with the full stall stick position, so you stick right right back, and it just sort of buffets very slightly. Uh, it's quite good for training, we think. Yeah, so I suppose anybody who's ever flown a Cessna 152 would be uh, well used to that phenomenon anyway. I know yeah, I have uh, experienced that. <laughs> it's very much similar to the Cessna, so uh, yeah. we're very very happy with it. It's, uh, it's also quite reasonably fast. We thought it wouldn't be as fast as it was with the struts and, and everything, and it's quite a wide. It's seven inches wider than the 172, so it's quite a big aircraft, uh, but it still does the same speed, 105 to 110 knots, depending on the power settings and temperatures and all that sort of stuff, but basically it's it's around about 110 knots, same as a low wing. Right, and are you finding with all these orders that you've, you're getting going to the training market or mainly private? Uh, they're starting to go private, but they are starting now to venture into the training market. We've sort of been pretty careful. Uh, we're only a small company, as you know, so we've been careful marketing that we didn't get too many orders, and uh, now we've got 10 in the factory, we have to, uh, we've got to get 10 out, so you've got 10 yeah. customers chasing you. Um, but that's okay. It's, it's a nice problem to have. It is, rather than, rather than being behind. So, yeah. uh, no, we'll look forward to the future and, uh, and see where it takes us. Okay, well, if anybody's interested in finding you online, where can they uh, do that? Uh, go to Brumby Aircraft and uh, we'll come up on Google. Hopefully, they'll see us. No worries, always for Google. Paul, it's great to catch up with you again, mate. Thank you very much Cheers. for having me. I'm standing here with Robin Lowe from Low Flight. Robin, uh, welcome. Thanks for spending some time with us. Thank you. Now, tell us about this interesting looking machine here, a, a an Exciter trike. Yeah, paratrike or powered parachute. Um, technically, it's a powered parachute. Two-seat aircraft, uh, I brought it out from Germany this time last year. This is the first one to come into the country. Um, there's one other now in Perth that um, went across there recently. Well, we'll get some photos and put it on our website uh, here. It really kind of, um, it, it looks like a roll cage with the Rotex engine bolted to the back. It's uh, quite a sturdy looking machine. Probably not people, what people might expect, uh, you know, from the general public for this sort of aircraft. Yeah, well, firstly, it's actually got a hearth engine on it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> we might um, cut that out. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. So, yeah, it's the hearth engine is a German-built engine. Um, it's been around since apparently the Luftwaffe days. They used to make... Speaking of engines, there goes one now. There goes Matt Hall, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is too. So, um, yeah, they've been around a long time. And, um, yeah, and they, they specialise in two-stroke motors. Um, this one's a fuel-injected two-stroke motor. It's a lot quieter um, than the Rotax I used to fly with, and a lot of people actually think it sounds more like a four-stroke. Um, well, there you go. But, yeah. Now, tell us about uh, some of the uh, idiosyncrasies of flying uh, this type of aircraft. Oh, look, it doesn't get much easier than um, a powered parachute. Uh, really. Basically this one you've got a foot throttle, you've got hand steering, if you want to take off you put your foot to the floor and uh, you get airborne. When you want to fly straight and level um, you just, um, the RPM sets the, the altitude you fly at. If you want to come down you take your foot off the gas and you descend. If you want to land you just flare a little bit and um, you're on the ground. Float down on the chute. Yeah. What yeah. sort of altitudes would you typically uh, cruise around at? Uh, me personally, look, I anywhere between ground level and 1500. Right, okay. Yep. So a nice easy way to get around. And you were telling us before we started that you're based at Kilcunda, yep. out on the uh, south coast of Victoria, a beautiful part of the world and uh, I guess uh, a, a great place to do this sort of flying with. Yeah, i got a little bit of property, just a small acreage and um, yeah, if you want to go flying you just wheel it out of the shed and lay the canopy out behind you and off you go. You don't need very far to take off. Um, and if you do it well, you're definitely airborne within 100 metres. <laughs> Beautiful. And, uh, and if you don't do it so well, a little bit more maybe. But, uh, <laughs> but generally, um, generally, yeah, very short takeoff landing capability. Very versatile. You can take it on holidays, and as you've probably seen with mine, I've got a tow hitch on the front. It's I was going to mention that. It's uh, I've never seen an aircraft with a uh, basically a standard trailer uh, yeah. coupling on the front. Yeah. So you register as a trailer. You can pop some stuff in the back if you want to transport that on the seats as well. The canopy goes fully 
uh, around the aircraft and um, the lights go on the back with your indicators and your brake lights and, and off you go. You can actually save on the cost of a trailer. You know, when I had my first powered parachute, I had to, I bought it and thought, fantastic, I've got enough money to pay for that. And then promptly realized I had to get a custom built trailer <laughs> to carry it around. So, you know, six and a half thousand dollars later, there was my trailer. Yeah. So you can actually put that money into the aircraft and um, be done with it. That's what, a very interesting concept. Now you're here doing uh, sales demonstrations. Do you do joy flights, that sort of stuff? Uh, well, I'm not. I haven't actually flown since I've been here. I was open to it, but it hasn't eventuated. But um, you know, the main thing is to have a static display here and show and tell. Just get the interest up. Yeah, yeah. Put them out there. It's like anything. You've got to you've got to let people see it and. Um, and I do the show and tell and hopefully people will embrace it and yeah. with it. People like Ben and myself who are fixed wing pilots, I mean you would get uh, you know a lot of people come around and you know it's it's something different for the, for those of us who don't engage in this sort of sector of aviation. Yeah, yeah, it is it is a little bit different. So it's it's about educating people. Um, as I said, it's you know, most people haven't seen this is only two in the country. Um, so yeah, it's about educating and um, letting them know what it can do. Mm. Well, we flew up here in a Cirrus SR20, so as you uh, said to us when we walked up to the stand here, I bet this would be a lot cheaper to operate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. It runs on the smell of an oily rag and, you know, burn rate is about 8 to 10 litres an hour. Um, you've got about three hours duration of flight time with the standard tank. And, um, yeah, no, it's just a good, fun way to get airborne and safe, which is one of the reasons, um, being a paramedic by trade, I did a lot of research into all types of aircraft, and um, these things, no one's managed to uh, do too much to themselves in about 30 years flying in Australia. So um, I figure that's a pretty good track record. Pretty good safety record. It kind of speaks for itself, really, when you think about it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, where can people find you online? I see you've got your web address on the aircraft. Yep, yep. So uh, lowflight.com, www.lowflight.com. And that's L-O-W-E. That's true, yes, yeah, as in my surname. So uh, so that'll get you there. There's, there's video uh, links there. You'll see the first flight I ever did in this aircraft, um, first in Australia and um, give you a bit of an idea of you know how quickly it can get off the ground and what it looks like. No worries. Well, uh, if you're at Kilcunda, you're only about uh, 45 minutes drive from my place, so I might have to hop down and uh, watch you flying around the over the old trestle bridge there at some point. Fantastic. Fantastic. Thanks, Robin. Good on you. And just as a footnote to that interview there, folks, uh, Robin also wanted us to mention that uh, he's looking around for a flight instructor to work with him down there at Kilcunda on the uh, beautiful Bass Coast in uh, Victoria, just uh, near Phillip Island, a lovely part of the world, and uh, right down there on the beach. So uh, if you're somebody who has uh, instructing experience in this type of aircraft, powered parachutes, he'd love to hear from you. You can drop him an email, lowflight, L-O-W-E, flight, at gmail.com. His website is lowflight.com. And uh, you can also give him a phone call, uh, his mobile number here in Australia, is 0417 and uh, he's uh, looking around uh, for somebody to help him down there I hope that's you great scenery give him a call now let's get back to the fun at Natfly 2014 okay I'm here with Bob and Mario from uh, Av Tours Australia guys you guys have been doing this a long time yeah 25 years 1989 we've done the first one so Av Tours and you talk about the first one um, to Oshkosh to Oshkosh yes. yeah they're fantastic. Now, what made you come across an idea to take a bunch of aviation tragics, put them in a plane and fly them over to Oshkosh? Well, in 1981, Qantas, a few guys from Qantas come up with an idea to take some Australian planes to Oshkosh. So we put together a deal with Qantas. We put nine Australian aircraft in a 747 Combi aircraft and flew them over to Oshkosh, unloaded them, 
and put on the display at Oshkosh with, with all Australian aircraft. Uh, we come back from that, and everyone was talking for years we should do another one, so we thought, well, we'll try. So in 89, we put together another 747, filled it up with all pilots and their wives from Australia and flew directly from Sydney into Oshkosh and landed there for the whole week. Um, and then it's just carried on from there. Uh, we let it go another two years, we've done another one, again from Sydney to uh, Oshkosh direct. Uh, we used Qantas about three or four times doing this over the years, but we've been every year since. We have not taken a full load of jumbo people over every year, but we've done it six times over the last 25 years. Right. And every other year we just take groups of we have 40, 50 people. Right, and when you and you fly direct into Oshkosh on all these tours, or did no, you? No, you can't anymore. Um, EAA, who own Whitman Field Oshkosh, they there's no commercial flights allowed in there anymore. Right, since they bought it, so we just we take the group as far as Chicago, and then we get a private coach from Chicago up to Oshkosh, where we stay at the University of Oshkosh, which is right near the field. And, yep. Uh, all do it from there. So it's about, a, I think from memory, about a three-hour drive, maybe four-hour drive on the yeah, coach? Yeah, about a three, three-and-a-half hour on the coach if we pull in for a drink somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take, take uh, advantage of some of that lovely American food and hospitality. Yeah, and price. Not good for you. <laughs> Not good for any Australian's <laughs> waistline, I'll tell you that much. Now the waistline <laughs> suffers. So tell us about what you've got on offer. You're here at uh, NatFly 2014. What's uh, involved with the tour this year? Well, we've got a smaller tour this year. We've got about 34 going this year so far. Um, it's not very dear, it's only $3,800 return, that's for eight nights accommodation. Um, we haven't, we haven't got it, we normally have a tour on after Oshkosh, like down to the graveyard down in Tucson, Arizona, and the missile sites, or it's the same institute, but just about everybody wants to do their own thing this year. Mm. So we just arranged tours for them to do their own thing after Oshkosh. Well, the missile sites, I know I, when I lived in the States, I lived with a uh, retired uh, missile crew commander. So he's always recommending that that's something else to go and see. Yeah. Oh, yeah, unbelievable. The only place you can see them now is just south of Tucson. Mm. They've still got a couple of sites there that's open to the public. And I believe they just opened a couple of sites just out of San Fran mm. that we didn't know, didn't even know were there. Yeah, that'll be the Titan missile, yeah, Titan, Titan, Titan Twos. Yeah, 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 Titan, yeah, yeah. amazing stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. I think people are here in Australia. If you've never been to Oshkosh, and, and, and Ben and I have both been uh, in different years, the scale of it is—it's like nothing you would find here in Australia, is it? Nothing at all. Nothing anywhere else in the world. We've been to. We've taken people to all the other air shows in England and Germany and so forth. Never been to a Russian one, but uh, been to most of the others, Palmer and all that. But uh, the scale of it, you won't see it in eight days. Most people go the first time, so I've got to go back and see it. Mm. If you just can't get round at all. Yeah, I, I, I'm pretty sure I've said that many times since we left. Although when we went there, we went there to work, so we saw the media area and not much else. Yeah, but uh, yeah. but really... you get an average of about ten to twelve thousand aircraft across itself. Then you've got another little airfield just south there called Fond du Lac. They normally get a couple of thousand aircraft down there that are all part of the Oshkosh. And then you've got Appleton where they operate the V-29 out of them. So forth, they give rides in the V-29s. And, hmm, it's just amazing, isn't it? Oh, just what they do is absolutely amazing. Yeah. 
Now, um, you've been to Oshkosh many times. Can you pick a, is there anything that stands out, any any event, that, any Oshkosh that you've been to that stands out amongst the others? Yes, in 94, they had 15 of the Apollo astronauts there that I spoke to, each one of them, and that was a thrilling time of my life. Yeah, really humble, humble guys. Humble guys. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the thing that most people don't realise. I think there'll be all these sort of A-type personalities, but they're really not, are they, most of these people? I had a good talk with Buzz Aldrin in one of the clubs there one night, or our taverns, as they call them, and uh, he, we asked him the question when he was up once about he thought he'd seen something out the window that was hushed up. And we said, are there others out there? He says, well, he says, if you're so naive to think that we're the only ones in this whole universe, so be it. Mm. That's the only answer we can get out of him. Yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. That's perspective for you, isn't it? Yeah. You know, when you speak to guys like that, you get humbled, you know, like Shep and all those we spoke to. And they speak to Aussies. They yeah. love talking to us Aussies over there, you know, it's a different different kettle of fish. It's weird. Yeah, weird but good. Good. Yeah, and we just had one of our chaps from where we come from, Marimula, just flew around the world solo, the youngest pilot in the world. Ryan year old. Yeah, Ryan Campbell. Ryan Campbell. Yep. Yeah, we've spoken to Ryan a few times. A few times. Yep. Well, he landed at Oshkosh. Yep. We were one of his sponsors for Oshkosh. Fantastic. Too, so, yep. uh, he so, was great for us. Oh, that's good. Well, let's let's talk about how people can find out about it. Obviously, um, our show is pitched at Aviators, so, uh, you know, this is the sort of people you're talking to. So if they want to get on one of your tours, how would they find well, out more information? Um, well, they can look off aftour.com.au. We're on the, there's a website, which is quite easy one, or we've got a um, one three hundred number. I can see it here, so it's one oh, 728 634 Oh, that's the one, yep. There's still a few seats left for this year, so uh, we have got about one or two air-conditioned rooms left, if you've been ice gosh, it can get a bit warm. It's rather humid there the year I went, yes. <laughs> very, very humid. A hot year, yeah. yeah. They can also send you an email, Bob, at boboshkosh at yahoo.com. Oh, that's it. No problem, and it's $3,800 ex-Sydney, 4060 ex-Melbourne, Brisbane. Brisbane, that's it. No problem. They can have frequent flyers, they get the land content if we get a lot of Qantas people come with us, mm. but they just take our land content. Because the hardest thing about Oshkosh is getting there itself. Yeah. There's no rail, there's only a pioneer coach or a hire car. Yeah, yeah. So that's the hardest thing. That's obviously a successful thing you do and uh, let's hope it continues for many years to come. Right, thanks very much. Thanks Bob, thanks for having ways to improve our proficiency and skills and one of the best ways to achieve that is using a flight school dedicated to advanced skills training. In the Sydney area that choice is the Australian Aerobatic Academy. From ab initio, advanced handling techniques, upset recovery training, right through to full aerobatic ratings. The Australian Aerobatic Academy provides thorough and professionally delivered courses to suit every pilot and with bases at Bankstown and Wollongong they've got Sydney covered. Go to aeroacademy.com.au to find out more or call 0404 065 201. The Australian Aerobatic Academy, taking your proficiency to the next flight level. 
Hi, this is Max Flight. Besides producing the Airplane Geeks podcast, I run the 30,000 Feet Aviation Directory. If you have a look at the Aviation Podcast page, you'll find links to literally dozens of aviation podcasts. Go have a look and listen to a few. Then come back here and get the real deal at Plane Crazy Down Under. Plan your flight, fly your plane with Oz Runways. Oz Runways turns any iPad or iPhone into a full-featured moving map GPS complete with all the official Australian aviation charts. Oz Runways makes the task of creating and submitting a flight plan a breeze and can be a great tool for improving situational awareness en route. Annual subscriptions start at only $74.99, so get your copy today. For your free one-month trial, search for Oz Runways EFB in the iTunes store or visit ozrunways.com. Oz Runways. Know where you're going. Want to advertise your business on the Plain Crazy Down Under podcast? Scripts and Voices has teamed up with the boys at Plain Crazy Down Under to bring you an exclusive offer. Scripts and Voices can make your ad to feature on this podcast at a specially reduced cost. That includes writing your ad, voiceover, backing music and production. To get your ad made in time for the next podcast, check out scriptsandvoices.com. Follow the link and send us an email. For advertising rates and packages, please see the Plain Crazy Down Under website. Find this and other great shows at the Aviation Media Network. Thevoicesinyourhead.com Okay, well, it seems like only yesterday that I was watching uh, Matt Hall on the Red Bull. Actually, it was yesterday, Matt, that I was watching the replay of the Croatia race, and yet here you are in uh, Netflix not even a week later. Yeah, it's been um, it's been a pretty busy uh, busy week. Yeah, six days ago I was in Croatia racing a plane, and here I am displaying the extra in uh, tomorrow. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how that happened either. <laughs> But yeah, pretty tired. Okay, well, let's talk about the first two races. We wanted to catch up with you now. Um, you've had a bit of trouble with pylons in both races, but um, yeah. the, the wind seemed to play in the Croatia. I mean, I say pylon hits, but it seemed everybody was having them. Yeah, well, I guess I'm not too concerned about, uh, you know, yes, I've, I've, I've finished my race with pylon hits on both races now, but I'm not overly concerned because on the um, yeah, Abu Dhabi, I went out there with a 50-50 I was going to hit a pylon but um, the other guys were running some pretty quick time so I decided that I'll, I'll risk a pylon hit to, to try and get the perfect line and uh, you know, ultimately that's we just nicked it in um, in Abu Dhabi but I don't consider myself a pylon murderer from that one um, Well it's interesting to watch you when you came up for that one it's like you, you, you rolled out of the turn you can just see you sort of yore a bit to the right I guess it's like you slaw it and thought oh no Well to tell you the truth I, I was surprised I hit it I knew I was close to it um, and as, as it turned out you know, when we looked at the wing tip it was like millimeters meters but uh so so be it um and that was you know pushing as hard as i could so yeah if i had backed off slightly maybe i wouldn't have hit the pylon but then i might have probably would still come forth so Mm. um and then in croatia um yeah it it was a it was a tough race uh the the track was the the track was uh very very tight um the uh the winds were exactly where we didn't want them we said all week if the winds come up from that direction it's going to be almost impossible uh, it wasn't impossible because people made it through and i made it through in the first run uh, but on the second run i was just i was slightly offline uh, on the prior gate it was the prior gate that did it uh, because that was a um, that was a disqualifying turn anyway i was already at 11g i still couldn't make the turn so, oh wow yeah. so i was i was offline and uh, it just couldn't couldn't make the turn but once again, that said, um, at least I was in good company with more than half the field. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they were saying on the coverage that uh, the wind all week in practice was coming out of the south, and this day it came out of the west. So. Yeah, and the west was the, the west was what was going to hurt us, and it and it obviously did. You know, when you got someone like Peter Besnier hitting a pylon, I've never seen Peter hit a pylon before, and, yeah. and he hit one. So, 
uh, it was it was pretty tough conditions. I want to talk about uh, Mike Gooley, and I think one of the nicest guys on the circuit. He's had a terrible run of bad luck, hasn't he? I mean, I felt really sorry for him. They pinged him going too hard through the start gate, and then they gave him another run, and he hit the pile, and I, I kind of feel sorry for him. Yeah, I, I must admit, I was disappointed because, uh, you know, we're a competitive bunch when we're out there, so Pete McLeod's been uh, hit, hit a pile on in the top 12, so he's out. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so uh, he, he was... He was my next competitor in the in the line up the thing, so I was like, well, he's out, so I'm going to be beating Pete at the end of this uh, this race. And then it's like, oh, Goulian's got to go back in. And, oh, as long as Goulian makes it through the track, Pete's out. And then he hits a bloody pile, and I'm like, oh, now Pete's back in, and he's back as a competitor. So um, so I actually went up after the race was over. Yeah, it was a tough race for everyone, but after the race, I went and hassled him a bit, going, mate, oh, you could have just flown above the track, and, <laughs> and you would have made it into the Super 8. What are you thinking? But... Uh, Competition's competition, and you, you never want to you never want to cheat the rules, and you want to do your best job, and that's what he was trying to do. Well, you talk about Pete McLeod, though; he's been very strong, hasn't he? These first two, he's really come up. He has. He's got a new plane. Uh, yeah, it's a fast plane. It's the same as Hannes's, so uh, it's uh, it's all. It, it, he's and I knew he's a good player. You know, I did all my training with him, so I always knew he was going to be a big challenge when uh, when he got a good plane behind him. That's what he's got. So, um, you know, I think I think we can still beat him, and I think I think we yeah we've got the ability to run some really fast times in the track. Um, what I have to do is I actually have to get confidence in myself that the plane's now fast enough. I used to have to I used to have to push every single line as hard as possible to, to stay within a, a second or two of, of Paul um, and, and Hannes. What we've discovered now is that I can actually beat them with a very aggressive line. So we just need to back off a little bit and accept that well I can be within half a second of them if I fly a more conservative line and keep keep that final aggression just for the last race. Whereas you know, I was actually trying to fly the I was trying to win the Super 8 mm. and uh, in those conditions it wasn't really a winnable race. Uh, it was a surviving race. Now we talked about this before the season started and we talked about the changes to the track. Um, I know you haven't got much time before you got to go, but the knife edge pass I miss it. <laughs> I think it's taken something, personally, I think it's taken something away from the spectacle. Uh, how did, what's the, has there been any talk about it? Yeah, it's probably taken something away from the spectacle, but uh, I guess all the pilots, we're pretty happy with it, um, the decision, because um, that, that was part of a show. And we don't consider ourselves a show, we consider ourselves a, a sport, an, yep. air, an air race, it's, it's a race. Uh, so it's not an aerobatic competition, it's not, a, it's not an air show, it's a, it's a timed sport. So we basically decided that everything that can go out of the sport that's not related to uh, time should. And we even looked at getting rid of the level gates, that level gates shouldn't, um, shouldn't even exist because it doesn't, it's not a time sport then if you've got a penalty for not being level. But mm-hmm. that's a safety consideration that if we go through the gates, load it up, you can, and you're near the stall and you take some fabric, uh, it'll tumble the plane. So right. that's why now all of our gates are still level gates, but there was no purpose for the sport for the knife edge gate, even though yeah, spectacle-wise, uh, yeah, the quadro was the most spectacular thing we had. Mm. But we didn't even have that in the in the previous season. The quadro had gone. So um, I think it's all in in the, the the purpose of developing a pure motorsport rather than what it used to be it was a hybrid between aerobatics, air show, and, and motorsport. Yeah, I guess we've got to try and get it away from the the perception that being Red Bull is an extreme sport if we want to bring it to the mainstream. Exactly, it's not an extreme sport anymore. It's a it's a motorsport against the clock. Okay, no worries. Now, where to next? When's the next round? Uh, Malaysia, off to KL uh, in, I have no idea, what day is it? No, I don't <laughs> know. I'm not sure uh, myself. <laughs> uh, so in, in a couple of weeks, we're off to Malaysia. Uh, prior to that, I'm uh, we're doing Wings Over Illawarra, uh, women, Australian Women Pilots Association, 
and then yeah, uh, KL or Putrajaya somewhere in early May, and uh, that's my home race, uh, effectively. So effectively, yeah. We're ho hoping that uh, yeah, I was quite affected by jet lag on this previous race. I was very, very tired on race day. Um, so we're hoping that uh, this time I actually have the the mental advantage because. I'm the one that's not jet lagged and everyone else is. Oh, fantastic, mate. Well, uh, speaking about getting away and probably getting home, we should let you do that. So, Matt, great to see you. I didn't expect to see you here at NetFly, but uh, great to catch up as always. Thanks. Niall Higgins, welcome once again to Playing Crazy Down Under. How are you doing? I'm going well, mate. You know I'm going well. I'm having a good weekend. Oh, it's been well, great. We're at the it? back end of a good weekend. <laughs> Flying every day. It's been awesome, hasn't yep, it? Yep, I think I flew seven out of seven or six out of the seven slots, so I'm pretty happy. That's great, mate. Now, you've got to tell your audience we're talking about blooming slots here, yeah. which is very hit and miss. Very, very <laughs> weather dependent, mate. Yes, exactly. So, uh, mate, how long have you been flying in general? Mate, I've probably been flying about oh, 20 years, 18 years, I think. Okay. Yeah, so what got you into been, flying? Yeah, I always wanted to do it. Yeah. Bit of freedom, and that's the way it is. It's all about freedom flying. Just How'd, get up and do it. Yeah, it's the one. How'd you start? What was your first flight? Mate, first flight was a tiff out in Bankstown. I just uh, I had the sh the girlfriend at the time, and I just uh, stuffed you. Off I went, jumped in the car, and rocked up and said, I want a tiff. <laughs> <laughs> so I signed up there and then straight away, Tw twice a week. So the boss wasn't happy and the girlfriend wasn't happy because I used to take Wednesdays off as well to go flying. <laughs> Cost me a dollar, but that's the way it starts. That's the way it starts. You get bitten by the passion, you know how it goes. Oh, yeah. So you were flying uh, like little 152s, all that kind of stuff? Well, I started off in Grub 115s and all the usual stuff. And once you get your PPL, as you know, you just want to yeah. go more and more and more and more. And you get CPLs and ATPLs and all you just keep working up the, up the way it goes. Um, when you get fed up with that, you want to do something different. You go gliding, ballooning, whatever you want to do. And uh, I went the ballooning, the ballooning way. So, okay. uh, yeah, I figured I could do ballooning in the morning and tiger mothing in the afternoon and yakking in late afternoon. So, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's, all, it's all highly geared towards the retirement lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> Flying every But day. I can't afford to retire you, but that's the way it goes. <laughs> So, yeah, a lot of our audience may have seen you flying inverted as part of the Russian roulette team. Ah, uh, the world-famous Russian roulettes. That's the one. Australia's best crack suicide squad. <laughs> <laughs> That's you guys. Yeah, that <laughs> sure is. front. Ah, <laughs> uh, look, look, we, we purely do it for the enjoyment of it. Um, we have a philosophy in the team that if we don't enjoy it or if it's no longer any fun, we're going to bail out, but okay. it's, uh, up to now it's always been heaps of fun. So you've been flying lots of fixed wing, and there's normally a schism, you don't, you, quite a number of people in fixed wing look down at ballooning, quite a number of ballooners look at fixed wing as going, oh, it's those stinky guys, and here you are, you're bridging the two, uh, why did you choose ballooning of all things to do? Well, I always wanted to do it because, you know, I used to see the commercial balloons landing every morning in uh, Camden Airport yeah. when I was working out in Camden. And then um, I got to know the guys there and this just got sucked in, as they say, and the rest is history. Um, I always thought, you, you talk about bridging the gap, but uh, never the twain should meet because uh, there seems to be a bit of one-upmanship of who can read the weather better and who can read micrometeorology better and who can go where they want to go and who says they went where they went. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in ballooning. <laughs> Especially in ballooning. But I've got all the stories, mate, because I've seen both sides of the spectrum there. Yep. Yeah. But you want to talk about yaks and the Russian roulettes and stuff, but we've done a Russian roulette interview no, before. We have. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about something more that's more passionate to me. Yeah, go for um, it. I'm, I'm pretty honoured that I've got to be invited to do a special gig next Anzac Day, which is next Friday. Yep. As you know, this is Easter. Um, basically, there's four of us, four, four Tiger Mutts, flying down Sydney Harbour in formation. Yep. Um, and some of the passengers would be really quite special. We've got Bill Purdy, 
who used to fly Lancasters in the Second World War, done 38 missions over the enemy territory. So he's going to be in the lead tiger. I've got to fly a bloke called John LaForest, who I haven't met, but I've Googled him up and looked him up. And he used to be a bomb aimer. So we're going to have a bit of fun down Sydney Harbour on Anzac Day. That's fantastic. And it's all to support um, the, tiger moth, the great Tiger Moth race, which you can look up the website because I know you're a bit of a technophobe junkie, greattigerrace.com. Um, so the Tiger Race was supposed to happen originally on, on Anzac Long Weekend, but recent activity with uh, ADs and stuff, we've had to postpone it until October. But we've managed to get these four Tigers, all the ADs done and get it all ready. So we're going down Sydney Harbour at 10 o'clock Sunday morning, or Friday morning, I should say. Fantastic. So it's going to be pretty magic, okay? It's going to hopefully uh, generate a bit of TV footage and stimulate a bit of interest for the, for the Tiger Race in October which is supporting some good charities. One in particular has been formed by um, a guy from Williamtown, or the left Williamtown, called Soldier On. So we're really, we're really jumping behind these charities and we're going to give it a good go. We're hopefully, we're aiming to have 50 Tiger Mods at October long weekend. So it's going to be pretty special, a good spectacular down Sydney Harbour. Um, this is the second time I, I, we've had to postpone this race. As you know, uh, the services don't really get on well together. We were going to do this last October long weekend. But... Uh, that was a big uh, yep. do not come into Sydney Harbour because it's International Fleet Review Day weekend. So, Yep, I was there uh, for that one. <laughs> the Chief of the Navy, he, he let it be known through secret channels that we don't want anybody else in here. <laughs> We're going to have the scores over this, Sydney Harbour for that particular yeah. weekend. <laughs> this is ours, go yeah. away. <laughs> so we've been shifted along to uh, April, which didn't, didn't happen because of the recent accidents and ADs that were being brought out. So we're now back on to... Uh, October. Okay. So that's that's where we're going. That's the plans. Yep. That yeah. sounds fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to have a bit of fun. Fifty right. Tiger Mods down the harbour. What could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> this can only end well. <laughs> it will end well. We've, yeah. Look, we've done it a few years ago before. Um, these gigs get more and more expensive to run. So uh, we've really put a big effort into getting this one together. Oh, that so sounds it's, great. It's going to go. Excellent. Yeah, it's going to be good. But it's really particularly special because um, we've got these two old guys that you know. We, we feel they should be honoured yep. before time gets away with it totally agree yeah. so yep. we're going to have a bit of a laugh a bit of a jaunt down Sydney Harbour and uh, our biggest drama I think is 92 year old Bill Purdy trying to get him away from the golf course <laughs> <laughs> and get him out of the cockpit yeah, later yeah yeah well look he, he still has his flying licence he, he still flies um, when he That's can awesome. but uh, golf is the number one passion for him but he, he yeah. still flies and he's a very very competent flyer okay. so we're going to have a bit of fun next next Anzac day down there that sounds before great before we go doing the usual two up stuff <laughs> <laughs> well Niall thanks for taking the time to have a chat with us I no, really appreciate well, it well you, you always kind of corner me at an awkward time and force me into <laughs> doing these things but uh, I'm sure your audience if they can understand the accent they'll, they'll have a laugh if they don't they just get bored and tune in somewhere else ah oh, they enjoy it mate <laughs> thanks, to be Niall. sure to be sure ah oh, that's the one the luck of the Irish <laughs> No worries. Thanks, Thanks mate. Bye-bye. Sir, tomorrow, sir, it's uh, Sergio Lead Alpha IFR uh, for Eston. We're tracking uh, taxiing runway uh, 2-3 tomorrow. Perfect, right. Check. Yeah. Seat belts. Fuel quantity is confirmed. The fuel switcher is on the fuel tank. The boost pump is on. We'll change that right now. Fuel flaps are 50%. Check. Transponder is set. Autopilot's been checked this morning. Navigation radios and GPS are set for takeoff. Evident defrost is as required. Balance Centre and all stations in the Tamora area. Sierra Juliet Alpha IFR Cirrus 2 PAB taxis runway 23 Tamora for Essendon. Alright, he's in the turn. Alright, clear on. 
Play right. Let's go. Traffic uh, tomorrow, Sierra Juliet Alpha Cirrus, sliding up departing runway 23, and after departure, departing south for uh, Wagga, that's Essendon, and uh, we'll be on climb to uh, 6000. Traffic tomorrow. That would set us Sierra Juliet Alpha, airborne tomorrow, 2PAB, standby for departure. Sierra Juliet Alpha, send us call 4007 for the last hour traffic. Score 4007, Sierra Juliet Alpha. Alpha, send us Sierra Juliet Alpha departure. Sierra Juliet Alpha departed uh, tomorrow. Time uh, 5-0, tracking 171. Uh, Wagga at 1-5, passing 3,000 on climb 6,000 and uh, requesting amended 8,000. Uh, Christian, request traffic amended 8,000. Sierra Juliet Alpha, Sonoma, I five traffic climb 8000, QNH 1017. 1017, Sierra Juliet Alpha. Hey Steve. Coming. Sierra Juliet Alpha position. Sierra Juliet Alpha. Sierra Juliet Alpha, OBED, Wagga, time 11, maintaining 8000, Aubrey 37. Sierra Juliet Alpha, thanks. Sierra Juliet Alpha, the Aubrey control zone. Associated control area steps are deactive. And welcome back folks, and here we are back on board Sierra Julian Alpha, we're at 8,000 feet just past Walker Bend, and uh, heading back into uh, a little bit of weather it looks like uh, as we head back to Melbourne. That's right mate, the, the clouds building up, uh, it was an absolutely lovely day in uh, Tamora, uh, a little bit of cloud popped in uh, and raised its head not, uh, not long after we arrived. Uh, Wonderful visual approach, uh, so no, uh, none of my instrument flying skills required uh, for an approach there. But it uh, looks like I'm going to get a bit of a workout coming back into uh, into Essendon tonight. So there's got a bit of cloud on the horizon and uh, the temperature's dropping. And unfortunately this airplane's not equipped for icing, so that means we might have to descend a little bit. Uh, we've got uh, options underneath us uh, with the, the route we've planned for the uh, mountains and everything like that. Although we say mountains, they're not really mountains in this country, yeah. are they? Little, little bumps. That's right. Little bumps that we don't want to uh, become uncertain of position and uh, fly into, but uh, I'm sure that won't happen at this altitude. No, no, but uh, the 8,000 feet is commonly known as Life Safe Altitude Australia. So, uh, of course, the Oscar is underneath us now, so we, we should be uh, fine. Well, I'd say uh, in summary there of uh, NatFly 2014, uh, I'd have to say it's uh, becoming a smaller event, sadly. It uh, wasn't so many uh, people there in attendance as uh, two years ago when I was there last. Yeah, unfortunately, it does seem to be going uh, downhill from uh, the attendance point of view. Uh, I was very surprised that we actually got parked right on the main apron next to Matt Hall. We in fact did, and uh, interestingly, uh, Matt Hall then uh, walked over and asked if he could store all his stuff in our plane, so I thought that was rather cool, actually. That's right, you don't get that every day, do you? Yeah, and in fact, we've got all of his stuff in the plane, so we might flog it on eBay. Just kidding, Matt, in case you're listening. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it'll be available on eBay, surely. Yeah. Well, speaking of Matt, that was a great interview with him, and uh, quite frank, and, uh, you know, about the uh, pylon hits and... Uh, doesn't seem too worried about it. As he said, he was going hard there at it, and uh, that's one of the things, I guess, uh, you're risking the harder you go. Yeah, I mean, uh, as he said, it, it was a, a full performance uh, race that he did there, and, uh, and as it turns out, he, he probably didn't need to be going quite that hard because of the, uh, the attrition and the event meant that he, uh, he could have probably backed off quite significantly and uh, still actually uh, gone through to the next round. But... Uh, 
has, and as Matt said, now he's he's got to get used to the new race plane. It's a lot faster than his old race plane. He doesn't have to fly quite so aggressively. Um, so it's more, I think now, back to dialing it back a, just a little bit um, because of, you know, as a, as a V8 fan growing up, I learned the phrase to, fit, to finish first, you must first finish. Well, exactly right. And, uh, you know, the other factor too uh, we're seeing in the Red Bull Air Race is, um, you know, with the standardised prop, standardised engines now, uh, it's really, uh, you know, emphasising the skill of the pilots. So, uh, you know, uh, once again, uh, looking at uh, Matt Hall, and I think Paul Bonheim style too, very uh, energy efficient, I think, smooth and flying, and you see some of the other pilots have different styles where they're perhaps a bit more aggressive and that works for them. Uh, it all makes it a very interesting spectacle to watch and uh, just so good to see that race back up and running. Absolutely. Now we have to just cover the next goal and get it back to Australia. Yeah, that's right. Well, as he said, uh, Malaysia are the closest race to home, so uh, uh, we'll be heading uh, as between this episode and the last. Uh, my tickets are bought. Uh, I know that uh, myself and uh, Team Visher at least will be heading across to uh, one of the later races over there in Las Vegas later in the year. I hope my bank manager is listening. That's right, man. Well, I've happened to have a leave over the China race, so uh, you never know. I might head to China and uh, see if I can catch you there. Outstanding. Well, I guess uh, that's everything we have for you on this episode of Playing Crazy Down Under. A little bit different to bring it to you from the cockpit of this uh, beautiful Cirrus aircraft. I think we should do this more often, mate. That's right, mate. I think we need to get on the Graham Horn and see if we can get him, you know, get his aeroplane and fly that around. I know. Brand new, brand new generation 5. I know. In fact, we were looking at that at the Thai Air Show. I uh, tell you what, if, if we, folks, if you think this aircraft we're in is nice, uh, I'll tell you that new generation series uh, even more uh, fantastic. So, uh, yeah, I think we will work on that Graham Horn. I hope you're listening too. I hope so. Okay, folks, so that's everything we have for you. Until next time, I guess, Graham, I think you'll have to do Grand sign-off this time. Well, I'm, I'm definitely not Grant McCarran. That's right, and I'm Steve Bishop. Take care, folks, and fly safe. Church at Alpha, descend 5,000. 5,000, Church at Alpha. And 312, descend to 6,000. Descend to 6,000, and on 312. Chester 479, descend for level 120. Descend for level 120, Okay, that's one layer. And then this is the lowest. Yeah, 479, descend to 100,000, QNH 1018. Descend 100,000, QNH 1018, Carriage to the left, resume my navigation track, direct to Plenty and join the localizer. Direct to Plenty, join the localizer, Sierra Joint Alpha. Test star 479, descend to 4000. 4000, test star 479. We just go bang, activate. Sierra Joint Alpha, descend to 4000. 4000, Sierra Joint Alpha. Descend to 3000. 3000, Sierra Joint Alpha. 3000 set, we'll go to 550. We've got eight miles to run, so we better start smiling down. Sierra Juliet Alpha, clear to ILS, runway 26 approach. Clear to ILS 26, Sierra Juliet Alpha. Just 439, joining final, contact tower 120, Dose 15. On final 125, just 439. And the 312, thanks for your help with the speed. Uh, contact tower now 1251, good night. 1251, no problems, good night, ambulance 312. Sierra Juliet Alpha, plenty contact tower 1251, good night. At 20, 1251, Sierra Joy Dumper. Uh, go.
And there's plenty. We're well, now on both. And we'll call the tower. Yes, good evening. Yes, here, Joe. Alpha plenty. Sierra Joe, Alpha, good evening. Yes, and continue approach. Number two, wind light and variable. Sierra Joe, Alpha, continue. Iron 120, flat 50, flat 50 sets. Sierra Joe, Alpha, runway 26, clear to land. 26, clear to land, Sierra Joe, Alpha. Okay, before landing, checklist. Seat belts and shoulder harnesses are secure if yours is. Check. Check. Okay, fuel pump is boost, the mixture is full rich, the flap stress required, the autopilot is disengaged, before landing checklist is complete, that's the marker. Out of marker 1550, heights checked, on glide slope, on center line, no flags, speed's good. And we're under 100 knots, flap full. 100% flap, set. Washing the speed off. I will take that. That uh, lovely. Smooth, <laughs> <laughs> that's so. Smooth, very capital, smooth. Yes, ground, Sierra Joint Alpha for the sub pinger. Sierra Joint Alpha, ground, taxi to parking. Parking, Sierra Joint Alpha. You've been listening to Playing Crazy Down Under, hosted by Steve Vischer, Grant McHeron, and ATC Ben. You can find us on Twitter as PCDU. And for more information about the team, feedback, storylines you'd like us to follow, or any advertising inquiries, go to our website, plainecrazydownunder.com. Plain Crazy Down Under is a Southern Skies online media production. folks at the Department of the Bleeding Obvious have asked us to make this statement. The views and opinions we present in this podcast are ours and do not necessarily represent those of groups we work with or are associated with, although we think they probably should. We certainly don't claim to be experts, we're just opinionated enthusiasts who are willing to comment publicly on the world around us. This show is intended as entertainment and any education that may occur is purely coincidental. As with anything in life, it is your responsibility to determine what does or does not work in your situation and to seek out suitable guidance and or instruction. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons non-commercial by attribution license. For more details on this license and our contact details, please visit our website at www.playingcrazydownunder.com. Thanks, folks. Ha, <laughs> ha,